to Life Smithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. Today's topic is haters gonna hate, overcoming envy. For those of you who don't know what haters gonna hate means, it means that when you're doing wonderful things, people are going to criticize you and you should just ignore them and dismiss their criticism because they're probably jealous. And that is the case. Whenever you're doing something, people get jealous and that's how they express their jealousy and their envy by criticizing. Now that term became popular around the 2000s. There was a female girl band called TLW that had a song that said, player's gonna play, haters gonna hate. Yes, guys, I'm teaching you guys urban slang. <laughs> and so people continue to use it. And now it's become mainstream because Taylor Swift, and I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift, has a new song called Shake It Off where she says, haters gonna hate. So we all say haters are gonna hate and we love to say that, especially when we get criticism. But how many times do we acknowledge that we are in fact the haters? How many times do we acknowledge the envy that is within us? Ah, that's not so comfortable, is it? That's not something to face. But the truth is, we do have envy within us and it's a sin. So when we come back, we'll take a look at how to overcome envy. Envy and jealousy are often used interchangeably, but they're actually different. I know I'm guilty of using them interchangeably. They're kind of similar, but here are the different definitions. Envy occurs when we lack a desired attribute enjoyed by another. Jealousy occurs when something we already possess, usually a special relationship, is threatened by a third person. So we're really addressing envy in this podcast. I'm gonna show you two examples so you can see the difference. Both of these stories are true, although I've changed the names and the circumstances just a little bit so that if they happen to be listening, they won't be able to recognize it. Here's the envy story. Someone I know had a friend over to her condo and she was showing her how she decorated. It was a new condo. She showed her a piece of art that she had collected from another country. And she gushed about how lucky she was to find the piece of art. The friend remarked, I don't know why you're acting surprised. Don't you get everything you want? That's an example of envy. Before this point, the person had no idea that her friend was envious of her. One might say she was jealous, but in reality, she was envious because apparently the woman who had the condo had something she wanted. Maybe she had more wealth than her. Maybe she knew how to decorate better than her. She had something she wanted that she felt she lacked and so she was envious of her. Now here's an example of jealousy. Again, true story. A college girl, let's call her Jane. Jane felt she did not get enough attention from her friend, Lisa. So what she did is she started to badmouth Lisa to her group of friends. Things got really hot. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of gossip. Finally, they all sat together 
and hash it all out. And this is when it came out that Jane was actually jealous of Lisa's friendships with the other girls. Jane wanted Lisa all to herself. And this was a platonic situation. It wasn't a lesbian situation. It was a platonic situation and she was actually jealous. Do you know anybody like that? There are people who are jealous of other people's friendships. So that was a jealousy example. How grave of a sin is envy? People often see envy as no big deal, but it's huge, as we say in New York, huge. <laughs> to show you how grave it is, I'm going to quote from St. Cyprian of Carthage. St. Cyprian was born circa 200-210 AD. He died in 248 AD. And this is what he says. And if you notice, he's kind of using jealousy and being envious interchangeably, but I think he's really talking about envy. To be jealous of what you see to be good and to be envious of those who are better than yourself seems, beloved brethren, in the eyes of some people to be a slight and petty wrong and being thought trifling and of small account. It is not feared. Not being feared, it is contemned. And by contemned, they mean undervalued, disregarded. I'm not saying condemned with a D. I'm saying contempt with a T. Undervalued, disregarded. Being contemned, it is not easily shunned, and it thus becomes a dark and hidden mischief, which, as it is not perceived so as to be guarded against by the prudent, secretly distresses incautious minds. But moreover, the Lord bade us to be prudent and charge us to watch with careful solicitude, lest the adversary, who is always on the watch and always lying in wait, should creep stealthily into our breast and blow up a flame from the sparks, magnifying small things into the greatest. And so, while soothing the unguarded and careless with a milder air and a softer breeze, should stir up storms and whirlwinds and bring about the destruction of faith and the shipwreck of salvation and of life. Therefore, beloved brethren, we must be on our guard and strive with all our powers to repel with solicitous and full watchfulness the enemy, raging and aiming his darts against every part of our body in which we can be stricken and wounded in accordance with what the apostle Peter in his epistle forewarns and teaches saying, be sober. This is from treatise 10 on jealousy and envy by St. Cyprian of Carthage. What this is basically saying is that because it's not seen as a big deal, like impurity might be seen as a big deal, you know to watch against that. It can easily seep into your pores and you don't realize that you actually had that envy. But the way you realize it sometimes is when something small becomes something big. For example, with the envy story that I gave, it's likely that that friend didn't even realize that she was envious of the woman with the condo. She probably thought to herself, look at her bragging again about her possessions. But she's only seen it that way because she's envious. In reality, 
the woman was not bragging. She was just shown a trusted friend, you know, her condo that she was very happy about how she decorated and she was happy about that artwork that she got. So we have to be on our guard. There's another saint, Saint Bonaventure, who also explains how grave envy is. He says, Envy, thou inextinguishable fire, thou satanic imposture, which art ever pursuing good, seeking to destroy it with thy pestilential flames, thy guilt is of a deeper dye than fornication or adultery. And by dyes, D-Y-E. This is from a book called Sins of the Tongue or Jealousy in a Woman's Life. I will link to it. Anything that I quote in the podcast, I link to it. So why is envy wrong? Envy is wrong because it directly opposes charity one of the three theological virtues. And the definition of charity is that habit or power which disposes us to love God above all creatures for himself and to love ourselves and our neighbors for the sake of God. Now, guys, a lot of times I give definitions, not because I don't think you guys already know it. Some of you already know the definitions. You've been lifelong Catholics, unlike myself, or some of you are converts and you're well-versed. However, I think and I actually hope that there are people listening to this podcast who are not as well versed as well so they can learn. So for the sake of those people, sometimes I will define things just for it to be clear. And also for people who may be lifelong Catholics, but they didn't get enough catechesis or they just, you know, they would appreciate knowing the definitions. So please be patient with me. Okay, guys, we'll be right back. Envy has a way of making everything good seem bad. Peter Blois, a French cleric, theologian, poet, and diplomat who died in 1211 AD said, Envy can embitter honey. Wearied of the virtue of others, she maliciously tries to corrupt what is good in them because she can find no trace of it in herself. I'm going to give you an example of how I've encountered envy. And this is not to say that I have not been envious myself because I have. If I'm going to be honest about it, I have. All of us have been envious at one point. But I'm going to illustrate an example of what Peter of Blois said. You guys know that I love to post questions and get answers and participation. I do it for two reasons. The first reason is because I really enjoy how people think. The second reason is I do it as a way of evangelizing. And so, you know, I do this all the time and I have lots of Facebook friends. I'm going to put that in quotes because a lot of the people, I don't, I don't know them. They just see my posts, they like them. So they send me a friend request. I accept it because I do market my website. And so it's a good way for people to see what I'm posting. But I'm not under any illusions. I know my true friends and people who are just friendly on Facebook. 
So there was this guy who is in a, or who was in a variety of my groups and he would comment on my posts and I thought he had a benevolent attitude towards me. We would sometimes joke around on the post. But one time we had a situation that happened. Basically, he wanted me to block someone because he said that person was stalking him. But I, I was asking questions because I didn't know whether I should block that person or not. So I was asking questions. And I guess I hadn't blocked that person quickly enough for him. And I was actually considering blocking the person because if she was a troublemaker, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with her. But I wasn't sure. I was asking questions. So when I didn't do it quickly enough, then he ended up getting very angry. And he commented to one of my threads. I had nothing to do with the situation. But he made a comment sort of like, I'm always trying to get attention. And that kind of shocked me because I thought we were friendly. Soon afterwards, he blocked me completely. But yeah, it kind of shocked me because I thought we were friendly. I didn't expect that kind of comment. And the comment came across as envious because why would you say that I'm just trying to get attention when before you were responding in all my threads and we were laughing? Why are you making that assumption about me? Let me be clear. I'm not trying to get attention online. I know the difference between online and offline. And I have other things to do besides spend my whole day trying to get attention. I'm online for purpose and that purpose is part of my whole evangelization strategy. It's a way for me to share my faith. It's a way for me to get discussions going. It's a way for me to market my business. That's why I'm online. Not to get attention so I feel good about myself. But the fact that he said that, it actually annoyed me because he attempted to corrupt what I was doing and to imply that I had other intentions. So that's an example of being envious. Maybe you guys have experienced that. Maybe you guys don't agree with me, but a lot of people are very envious online, especially when they see people posting pictures about their families, their houses, their vacations. They become envious instead of being happy. And this is where you have something that's in opposition to charity because charity would say that you should be happy for the person because you love them for the sake of God. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> Let's go on to how we can root out this envy from us. So I'm using the book Sins of the Tongue of Jealousy in a Woman's Life. But of course, this applies to women and men. I highly recommend that book. Three remedies for dislodging or rooting out envy from your heart. The first one is to put your heart in possession of the true good union with God. This is something I want to cover in other podcasts because union with God is so important. So many people think that if they just go to mass, pray their rosary, they're fine. You're really supposed to be attempting to be united with God, uniting your will to God's will. That's how you become a saint. So that's very important. If you're doing that, you don't have any time to be envious of other people. So I'm going to quote from the book. It says, If the heart be filled with great and holy thoughts, if it hold the rich treasure of divine love, it can never be subjected to envy. For envy, as St. Augustine says, is a sign of poverty. 
But if the heart be devoid of heavenly gifts, then as it cannot remain empty, it turns exclusively towards the things of this world, falling again and again into the regions of envy, jealousy, and heart burnings because earthly goods fill it, but only with a hollow fullness, which begets a sickly state of mind and one of constant suffering, end quote. We've all heard the expression, nature abhors a void. So if your heart is not filled with heavenly things and with laying up treasures in heaven, then you're going to look for earthly things. And when you don't get them, you're going to become envious. The book continues, quote, when the soul is elevated above the things of this world, says St. Basil, and the mind's eye is directed towards the true good, it is no longer exposed to envy because it no longer believes in the excellence of the treasures of this earth, end quote. And that's basically what I said. So keep your mind on heavenly things, strive to have union with God, spend time in prayer and meditation, and you won't even care what somebody has. The book says the second remedy is a consequence of the first. It's moderation in our wishes. In our last podcast, we talked about moderating our passions. See how moderation is important? The book says, man, says one of the moralists, would never be envious if his desires were moderate and in keeping with his character. End quote. Isn't that true? If your desires are moderate, you just want... For example, a decent looking car that you can use for your family, you're not trying to get the Benz, right? Then you won't be jealous when your neighbor has the Benz because that's not what you want. Your desires are moderate. You just want something that you can afford within your means that looks nice and can do the job. You're not trying to show that you're rich. So you won't be envious. So you have to moderate your desires. And the book says the man whose desires are moderate is always calm happy and tranquil his wishes are few and his enjoyments many the envious man on the contrary is always uneasy always agitated by a thousand different passions like a vessel tossed about on the restless waves he is eaten up by an internal cancer it's a cancer guys his life as one of the saints expresses it is an apprenticeship to the torments of hell right so if you don't moderate your passions you're always going to have these envious feelings you want to stop being envious stop caring about what people think about your possessions just moderate your passions remember i'm preaching to myself as well i mean i'm not saying that i've mastered this i have not mastered this but we should all take a look at that because we all experience envy to some degree if you don't experience envy at all Email me at Cynthia at lifesmithing.com. Let's see if it's true. The third remedy, the book says, is to nourish a contempt for certain sentiments. They're using jealousy and envy interchangeably here. As I had said earlier in the podcast, we tend to use it interchangeably. What this is saying is that you might get some feelings within yourself. To have a feeling is not a sin. To focus on it and to nourish it. That's a sin. So when you get these kind of feelings and these sentiments, tell them, be gone. Do not nourish them. Do not entertain them. Do not daydream about them. Don't look at this woman and say, she always dresses so nice. Why won't my husband 
allow me to spend money on clothes so I can look that nice. And then you're sitting there and you're thinking about it and you get more and more upset. And then you're getting envious of the woman and saying, well, who does she think she is? Why does she always have to be dressed up? Ladies, have you ever known a friend to make a comment like this to you? Let's say you're going out for casual time out, maybe to a restaurant, to a bar, just casual. And you come dressed to the T, not because you want to show off, but because that's your personal style. You tend to be dressed up. And then one of the friends makes a comment like, you're always dressed up. That comes from an envious place. If you didn't know that, know that now. Because they look at you and they're like, what does she always have to look so good when I'm looking bummy or when I'm looking really casual, nondescript? Why does she have to shine? Why does she have to stand out? That's being envious, right? So when you get those little feelings within you, get rid of those feelings. Don't just suppress them because they'll pop up again. Get rid of them and realize that these feelings are not good and not helpful and it's going to continue to nourish your envy. And so I'm going to quote from the book again. And remember, it's using the word jealousy, but you can apply to envy. Quote, even though a feeling of jealousy should take firm hold of your mind, acting like a veritable blister, if it be displeasing to you, and if you do not comply with the suggestions, you are not guilty and may even find an occasion of gaining merit before God in this struggle. For it is a trial of your humility and patience. Remember that. When it comes up, get rid of that feeling. And then the book goes on to give an example of a particular kind of envy, which I found kind of funny because it's envy of piety, envy of someone else's holiness. And that is a thing. Yes, it is. Someone could be envious of your holiness. So here's an example in the book, and then I'll give you some other examples or one other example. Here's the story. I recollect one day meeting a very good and holy soul who said to me with a supreme effort over herself, Oh, Father, I feel actually suffocating with jealousy and the temptation seems to meet me at every turn. The cause of all this jealousy was seeing another soul going forward with simplicity and uprightness in the path of perfection. See here to what lengths this passion's delirium may carry you. So this holy person felt jealous that she wasn't advancing in the spiritual life like someone else. Do you see how the devil can take something that's good, which is striving for holiness and turn it into something bad and bitter? Yes, we have to be careful because the devil knows exactly how to attack us. And I'll give you another example of jealousy. You probably have seen this online a lot. Someone will post about what they're doing for Lent. You know, I plan on doing this fast. I plan on fasting from TV. And then someone invariably will jump in and say, you're not supposed to talk about what you're doing for Lent. That's being envious. Because what do you care the person is posting about what they're going to be doing how do you know that they're posting that because they want to show off? Maybe they're posting it, number one, to be held accountable. Number two, to give other people ideas about what to do for Lent. Why do you assume they're doing it because you want to show off? 
Out of all the things to show off, are you going to show off that you're giving up meat for Lent? Really? You have to be sure when you make comments like that, that it doesn't come from a place of envy. Maybe you are concerned that they are talking about that fast, which we're not supposed to do. And I want to say about that, when we're not supposed to talk about our fast, I don't believe, first of all, there was no internet. <laughs> so people share a lot of stuff on the internet and that's how a lot of people learn about the faith, right? So if you talk about fasting, if no one spoke about fasting and what kind of fast I could do, I might not know what other fast I could do. I would know that I could fast from food, but maybe if nobody ever said, why don't you fast from watching TV? Maybe I wouldn't even know that you can fast from something other than food. So don't assume that because someone is speaking about what they do that they're showing off. They may be, but don't assume it. And, and realize that might come from a place of envy because maybe you don't want to do that kind of fast. Maybe you like easy fast. And so you get offended that someone is posting about something that they're doing. That's spiritual jealousy, spiritual envy. So if you do these three things, you will be well on your way to rooting out envy from your soul because envy is grave. So I hope I was helpful to you guys. And if you have any questions, please feel free to comment on the post on the website, lifesmithing.com or email me at Cynthia at lifesmithing.com. God bless and have a wonderful day. Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Life Smithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless.